Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm your host, Neil McCready. My man, Zach Barry of RebelGrove.com. Red Cup Rebellion is also with me as well as you have come to uh, be accustomed. He is our recruiting expert. I'm just the guy that sort of knows just enough to be quasi-dangerous. So we'll talk some uh, We'll talk some recruiting. We'll talk the dead period getting extended Um uh, even more. We'll talk about a number of those things here in just a moment. First, let me tell you about Dead Soxie. Dead Soxie was open about its desire to sock it to the shutdown. The founder, Jason Simmons, came on our network of podcasts and he talked about the challenges that the company was facing in the midst of the unknown. While many other companies furloughed or closed its doors, Dead Soxie sought out to make a different approach. Their core values and beliefs rely on relationships that are built with their customers. And this pandemic has challenged those business principles in every aspect, but with the love and support of the Rebel Grove and MT, MPW Digital Community, Dead Soxie has gracefully been able to stay true to its core. And uh, you guys, the Rebel Grove community, the MPW Digital Community, have uh, united in supporting Dead Soxie and continuing uh, their version of the American dream. So thank you from Dead Soxie to all of you who listen who order from Dead Soxie at deadsoxie.com. They appreciate it, and we at MPW Digital appreciate it as well. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and Corey will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. Or uh, you can do what I've done, and that's hop into a Clark Ford. You'll love the service. You'll uh, you'll love the product. Uh, they take great care of you. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He will prove that to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. Zach, how are you, sir? Neil, doing well. It's just a uh, preparing for another month of uh, the dead period as far as recruiting goes. Well, you've got that down. We've been doing it for about six months now or something like that. I lose track. It's It's been dead since – God, it's been dead since February, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I guess they briefly had the couple weeks where they had the uh, – Ole Miss held the elite camp early March, but then after that it went back dead. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. But um, we were talking about this before we started, I think – it's probably for the best. Now, almost people won't like it for a number of reasons, and I'm sure we'll get into that here in a moment. But if the goal is to have a college football season in 2020, I believe that is the goal. I don't see the the need to risk it by letting you know 16, 17-year-old kids from all over the country on your campus. Yeah. Um, it, it's just... Even if you even if you are going to test if they arrive on campus, well, but it's, it's not just them. They they come with they're, they're going to come with parents. They're going to come with coaches. They're going to come with other people. Mm-hmm. 
you, grandparents, guardians. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. How, how do you, you know, how do you use your resources to do that? Who who handles that? I'm I'm, I'm never one to do a lot of of uh, of NCAA defending, but I get it. I mean, it sucks. It certainly sucks for a program like Ole Miss that that intended, as we've uh, chronicled so many times, intended to do a lot of recruiting in the spring and the summer. They were they were going to create a lot of momentum i think i think there's no doubt that this staff was going to have the goal was to have a very splashy recruiting class and i think they were probably going to achieve that goal and they still might i don't know but they've certainly been uh their 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 plans have been waylaid i mean let's be real but i get it people say what what is the ncaa doing in this case God, it hurts to say it out loud. I think they've probably done the quasi-right thing because you and I were just talking about this a minute ago. You know, if you were to tell me, hey, what's a scenario, what's a nightmare scenario at a place like Ole Miss this summer? It's this. It's not the 80-something football players on campus because those are those are all, not all, but the overwhelming majority are young are are young super healthy people who could have covid injected straight into their brains their veins I should say and I don't even know that they'd have a symptom might literally have no symptom but they could be they could spread it conceivably and and before the scientific people jump me you know just bear with me here a, a, a equipment person gets it a manager gets it, uh, a trainer gets it, uh, someone who's just around the program gets it, and all of a sudden that person gets sick or two or three people get sick and become symptomatic and you as a program have to go back in and retest everybody because I just don't know that the contact tracing thing, I, I got a, a text from a, me- a medical friend earlier today who who is is pretty concerned about the the ability to to trace and and stuff. He just says we're not as far along there as a medical community as we should be. So you test the whole program and lo and behold you find out that you have 14 positives in, inside the program and now you've got to shut everything down for 2 weeks or whatnot. That's you say what's a, what's a nightmare? That that's a nightmare. You get and maybe that doesn't happen until July and you can't do the the OTAs and and then that puts you back where maybe the, the they're not comfortable with you being ready for the first game and you're having to push the, a game back and, and stuff like that. That's why, and I said this on uh, Cole Kubelik's show a minute ago, Zach, this, this particular summer is the summer that if you're smart as a fan, and I know this is hard to do sometimes, but you're cheering for everybody. You need every program to have a very – a very successful offseason. You know how coaches always say it at, uh, at at SEC Media Days. They all say, yeah, man, we've had a great offseason, bigger, stronger, faster, just uh, really love the buy-in, just been a been an ideal offseason. You need that to be true this year. Absolutely. It, you, it, as a sports fan, you need all positive things. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's, hey, we are really getting after it in our uh, – in our squat workouts, you know, that's something that usually everyone scoffs at and laughs at media days. 
where it's like nobody's here to talk about your your squat workouts but hey this year people are killing it in the squat and the the power clean workouts then that that's a great sign because that means that people are um able to be in close quarters and are healthy and happy and getting ready for a college football season but yeah like like you were saying there's no reason to risk having these official or unofficial visits with all these different people coming from all these different areas of the country and then also coming to your campus where other people from areas of the different areas of the country are gathered as well so it's just this it's it's far too risky and to kind of tie in Ole Miss to this whole conversation we're bringing it full circle here people Ole Miss fans are not going to like it because you know Ole Miss right now I think has four commits maybe five. Um, Micah Pettis joined the the recruiting class last week, or last weekend, I should say. Um, I know people on the board are asking a lot of questions. You know, hey, you know, when do we think the momentum is going to start to pick up? When do we think this person's going to commit, this person? Um, you know, how is Tennessee doing it like this? How is, you know, A&M? How is Oregon? You know, all these other staffs have had the luxury of, of their current staff that is there, they've been on a field. They've had they have a they knew they don't have that. So Lane Kiffin and them, they can point to all the things they've done in other places. Kevin Smith can point to Devin Singletary for the Bills. And Lane Kiffin can talk about all the offenses he's had at, at Southern Cal, at Alabama, what he did at FAU, you know, DJ Durkin, the whole staff. We we've said this and we've said this already. We've acknowledged this is easily the most talented, the probably the the deepest, most experienced, and most talented staff Ole Miss has ever accumulated at one time. But they still have not been able to point to a game that has happened as an Ole Miss coach to a recruit, and that's going to hurt them. And th- and that's fine. It's not an excuse. I don't think that this is like passing the buck and giving Lane Kiffin an excuse. Now it's an excuse. It's, Whether he uses, he might not use it as an excuse. So far, he hasn't used it as an excuse, no. and, and he probably won't use it as an excuse. But it is absolutely an excuse. It. The reality I, is, it, it's it, fair. It's a global pandemic. The reality is, it's pushed the timeline back a year. I mean, there's no way around it. If, if it doesn't, it's the greatest job of of recruiting that I've ever seen. Hey, by the way, yeah. breaking news. Uh-oh. Breaking news. Give me – you have like a breaking news sound effect or anything uh, like I that? I don't have a soundboard. Breaking news. Uh, we interrupt this program to tell you that JT Daniels is transferring to the SEC. No way. He is. Are you pulling my leg? I am not pulling your leg. I would never, ever, ever pull your leg over something as serious as this. Wait, hold on. Is he – where is he going? Well, I'm getting ready to tell you. I didn't know if you wanted to guess. Uh, I would guess somewhere in the east. I would say either – I would guess well, – actually, I'd, I'll guess one team from each. I'd say either A&M or uh, Georgia. Okay. It is not Texas A&M. According to uh, Jake Royce Royce, Royce at uh, UGASports.com, JT Daniels will announce sometime today that he is transferring to uh, the University of Georgia. Ah, of course. 
the rich get richer. Yeah, that's usually how it works, Neil, in the in the business. I've learned that. I've learned that. I, I have seen at one place where the uh, the rich are getting richer. I have seen where there's a little dis a little disconcerted. Uh, some some of the some of the the commitments are not particularly happy that after uh -uh. after they have committed, they're not getting the same degree of attention at Tennessee. Well, you know, I, I it's funny. I saw this yesterday, and I literally audibly laughed. I saw that uh, Terrence just randomly popped up on Twitter. I guess somebody that I, somebody from the Rivals Network either retweeted it or liked it, and it popped up on my feed. But Terrence Lewis, the uh, four-star linebacker from uh, from Florida, I think he's, I believe he goes to Shamana uh, Madonna, which is where uh, Braylon Brown did go, but now he transferred to St. Thomas Aquinas. But uh, he tweeted that uh, his dream school was Oregon, which is funny because he's committed to Tennessee. Well, sometimes, you know, I mean, maybe he just got confused. Tennessee and Oregon, there's a lot, a lot of similarities. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, teenagers, whatnot. But. So, yeah, JT, yeah, well, JT Daniels to uh, to Georgia. So that's that's the breaking news. Didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. I knew you would want to know. And, and Yeah, I mean, I think the people on the board were wanting to know as well. Um I thought there was some smoke early on, but I did think for a, for a brief moment that uh, he was going to stay at uh, Southern Cal. Yeah, I did too. So, uh, well, good for JT. Um, Athens is a lovely place. The uh, good food scene there, and uh, boy, it'll be just a treat to uh, graduate and walk through the arches there. I sense, uh, I sense sarcasm. Yeah. Anyway, so my, my, my point was for Ole Miss fans that, look, it this is not like I know that, that one of the running jokes on the message board is, you know, oh, well, it's just May. Oh, well, it's just June. Oh, well, it's just July. Well, this is a little different. This is a global pandemic that has affected literally everything. The economy has almost shut down completely. So... Yeah, it's kind of an excuse, but I'm with you, though. I still think that this staff is going to recruit well. We've already seen it. Look, I know it's at receiver, and everybody scoffs at offensive players, and well, Ole Miss needs defensive tackles. They need linebackers, but they're two highly rated receivers that had plenty of other cho plenty of other choices. They could have gone anywhere else, and they chose Ole Miss. So some credit is, is deserved there, but I do think that if and when the season happens – once they have an on-field product to point to, I think it's going to help them gain some traction with some of these other recruits that, look, they're making top 10 lists. They're making top five lists. They're they're in the ear of of these recruits. So it's just a matter of time. They, they just got to they gotta catch their footing, and people are just going to have to be patient. You know, nobody could have predicted COVID-19 was going to happen. No. No, I mean, it's, you're right. It, it's I tell people this, and, and I always kind of sense a little frustration. I mean, and it's just it's it's not at me or at the situation. It's just there's frustrated in general. But you can't get the same level of recruiting done. I mean, let's do this without being silly for a minute. At some point, like if you're, I've, I didn't grow up in this era, 
but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that at some point in a dating scenario or something where you meet somebody via some one of these dating apps and you get to know them via text and Twitter or DM or phone calls or even Zooms where you can see each other and all of that, you can only build a certain degree of chemistry in that, in that setting. At some point, you do have to have you, you have to be in the same room together. You have to sit at the same table and have dinner. I'm not being sexual and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm being serious. At some point you have to see, is there, is there a, a, a physical chemistry when you're around one another? And, and people say, well, that, what does that have to do with football? Well, you can see the facilities and you can sit in a, in a, on a, on a computer and talk to the offensive coordinator and the, and the, and the head coach even, or, uh, and you can talk to the academic people. They can pop up into the Zoom and that kind of thing. But until, from a recruiting standpoint, until you and your parents or your mom or your your coach or your mentor or your handler or whatever, until they've all kind of signed off on it and gotten comfortable and driven around the town and shared a meal and had some conversations and, and you know, had the ability to, to – you know, you know when you when it gets real and you're sitting in that office and everybody's kind of leaning forward and talking to one another and the body language is like, hey, we're serious here. You know, we're having this is this is real. Until you can do some of those things, just typical in anything, you can't. It's it's, it's hard to it's hard to get a, a deal closed. It's hard to get to get yourself finished. And Ole Miss can't do that through no fault of its own. But they were planning to do a lot of recruiting in the spring. They were going to bring. I think they were going to do a, a, a not all of their, um, you know, certainly official visits or whatnot. Not even half of them. But I think they were planning on using some official visits in the spring. And I know for a fact they were planning on being really active in in June and July, getting kids to campus to uh, hang out with them, to get to know them, to to let them see what they're about. They wanted kids to see the offense that they were putting in. They wanted kids to see the defense they were putting in. They wanted them to get a feel for what they were what they were trying to establish. And you can't do that uh, eff- completely effectively via Zoom or with film or whatever. And I just think it's it's there's a difference in in being able to show, um, you know, a quarterback, for example, you know, film of what you did at at, at Baylor or what you did at FAU or whatever, as opposed to being able to show them right there on a practice field. Hey, come to the practice on Saturday morning. I'm gonna. I want you to watch the practice, and then after practice, I want you to come to the film session that we're gonna do. And I want you to sit in the room so that when I coach the quarterbacks or the running backs or the whatevers and explain, hey, here's what we're trying to do. See this. See this. See this. This is what we're trying to do. Um, I just think it's impossible to do that without being able to have a physical connection. That's just my opinion. I. It's hard. Sure, there are some. There are plenty. Of kids. I mean, you talked to Micah Pettis the other day, and uh, you talked to um, you know somebody uh, like like Burkhalter from Alabama. You, you talked with, with with Jack Burkhalter, and you know maybe he's you know maybe Micah seemed perfectly fine with with uh, declaring his you know commitment verbally to the staff without you know he he went to an elite camp, so he's been on campus, but. He's fine with doing that right now. So somebody like a uh, a Jack Burkhalter who hasn't you know been and, and met the coaches in person, you know, 
is he going to be okay with that? Whether it's at Ole Miss or, or anywhere else, like, is that, is that something that, you know, recruits are going to have to kind of come to terms with now? It, the dead period's extended through June. So is it going to be extended through July, through August? You know, are there, are there official visits not going to be allowed during the season? Uh, it's, if it's for the safety of, you know, the high school prospects, for their families, for the schools, the coaches, all that, like, I'm all for it. You're going to have to find ways. You're, you can do FaceTime, Zoom, all that. That's just going to become the norm if, if that is what it is going to come down to because I don't think the NCAA, I don't think Power 5 conferences are going to risk anyone's health for an official visit or – I'd be hard pressed if I was in that position to where I'm trying to get a kid to commit to my school to tell them to risk their their own and their family's health for that for the sake of that. You know what I'm going to be interested to see is you know because I think August is going to be off limits. They're not going to risk anything in August. I, I'm going to break break news for you now. This is going to get extended through August. Book it. September gets interesting when the games are on campus. Are you going to be allowed to bring kids on on campus for unofficial visits? And if you do, can you bring them inside your building? Can you do all of those things that you normally do in an unofficial visit where after the game, the parents are in the Manning Center with the kids and all that stuff? Can you do those things without running a risk? And again, for the people that are like, hey, man, this thing's going to burn off by then. Well, if that's the case, then awesome. Believe me. You're talking to two people that want this thing to burn off and go away and never come back. And I mean, I, if we could put it on Elon Musk on on his uh, on his rocket and fire it into space forever, I'm I'm for it. But as of May the 28th, I, that you you can't just blindly assume that. So for the sake of this conversation, we have to assume that it's at least still a factor. And if it is, I don't I don't know how much recruiting you can do in September in October. Uh, in November until the season's over, at which point, maybe for lack of a better term, you can start taking a few more chances. And, sure. and and for a program like Ole Miss, if that's the case, it just makes December and January, you're going to have to be in position in recruiting to close on kids, to get stuff done. You're going to have to have your evaluations done. You're, you're going to have to – you have to be in really good shape. And they're doing those things. I mean, they are – I know they are – reaching out to a lot of kids they're having the contact that's allowed they've made offers they're they're like you know i talked to jackson burkhalter the other night we'll talk about him a little bit in a bit and they were trying to get him and his brother christian to uh to come to oxford in july they can't do that now um the only thing that they can do i think is that you can tell kids hey i think you could do this i think you could say hey we can't meet with you on campus but we can kind of tell you where to look around. We can't see you, but I can't stop you from sure. coming to the campus and walking around. But that's not the same as coming to the campus and going into the room and, and sitting down with the coaches and having conversations well, and spending a day and the stuff that kids and their families like to do, especially as you get close to decision time when you you everybody you want everybody to feel good about it. And for a lot of these families, it's a and, and this is perfectly I, I don't mean this as a criticism at all. It's a major, it's a major celebration moment. You want to, they want to be able to celebrate it. Like there were kids that came to uh, last year to Ole Miss, and I would talk to people at Ole Miss, like, "Well, how's it looking?" And they'd say, "Well, let's put it this way: he's bringing about twenty people." <laughs> yeah. And so you knew, okay, he's about to commit. He's gonna, he's they're gonna, 
he's going to tell the coach in front of his family and they're going to have a celebration and that's perfectly cool that those days might not be around for a while but if you can't see it in person it's awfully hard to commit to it well here's an idea what if, what if they start doing like drive through visits kind of how you know I know that you mentioned it where I think some kids in the neighborhood did like a drive through happy birthday thing for somebody. Or you, you see that a lot. There, there's a high school right by my house here in East Nashville, and they had a drive through graduation ceremony where they had people out there social distance with, you know, balloons, confetti, whatever, and all the graduates came through with their parents, you know, driving through in the car, hanging out the sunroof hanging out the window, doing all that, you know, that kind of thing. What if what if they did like a drive-through official visit or a drive-through unofficial visit where, you know, a coach is socially distanced away from the vehicle walking around campus and they're driving, you know, the parts they can drive through, like the circle and all of that driving around campus. Or they, I yeah. guess they could just open up the campus to where you can drive, but, you know, give them a tour, you know, hey, this is, here's the union, you know, here's... They could call you up know, on a Zoom while you drove around, yeah. I, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, that too. I don't know. I mean, again, if if the virus is still around, if and those kind of things, I mean, you know, I think if you're, if you're a program like Ole Miss right now, for example, I think you have to have a lot of plans. I think you have to have a plan in place for, hey, this thing's going to open wide open in September, let's go. I think you have to have a plan for a second wave of the virus at in which point December and January are, are, are dead periods. And you're having to do all of your recruiting virtually. I think you've got to have a plan for all of that. It's, it's one of the reasons why if we ever get a, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, this, if we ever get a zoom call with like Kiffin or Carter or whatever, especially with Kiffin, the first person that says, coach, I was wondering if you could kind of talk about the quarterback position and the quarterback race. When before I am going to go through the Zoom and strangle someone, I it it that's the stuff that's, I want to talk that's about. That's where is, you you immediately check two media day boxes there with talk about yes, and then quarterback position yes. I mean, I would much I, his <laughs> answer to that. You already know his answer. You know the answer because he's given it to his credit consistently since day one. Mm-hmm. So don't ask again. Instead, let's talk about things like this. Like, are you putting a plan in place for, you know, different hypotheticals as it pertains to the virus and how it affects your recruiting? Yeah. That's the question I'd want to know. And then, you know, are you – because that's really what this is about. I mean, this even if this season went, you know, absolutely perfectly, they're not winning a championship. They're not good enough for that. The storyline with this team this season was always going to be about how much recruiting momentum could you create with the product that you put on the field? Mm-hmm. At least to yeah. me, and maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but it was never going to be, hey, can you win enough? You know, can yeah, it was going to be, can you win enough games to go to a bowl game? But in, but tied into that was by winning enough games to go to a bowl game, do you create the type of momentum that perhaps you need to finish the deal with some high-level recruits to take your program to another level? It was never going to be about – you know, hey, coach, uh, this Billy from uh, the, the Meridian Times. I was kind of wondering if, if everything goes well with John Rice. Do you think we can win the world championship? I mean, that those questions are just you, know, you just want to scream. The, the, it was always about build, putting a product on the field, even on the practice field, for recruits that got them to say, all right, well, you know, 
if I were here or where a coach could look at a kid and say, if you were in this offense right now, that play that just went for 13 yards would have gone for a touchdown. And here's why. If you were on this field right now, you would be our starting left guard or whatnot. We're, we're, we got, you know, where you can say those kind of things, where the kid can see it with his own eyes. Man, you can't, it's hard to sell that stuff to a kid and it not just be sales when he can't see the product on the field. So, right. you know, I mean, if you can't, if you are, if you're not allowed in, in, a, in a hypothetical to bring unofficial visitors to your campus to watch games and then be able to meet with those kids immediately after and say, hey, look, you know, we, we just, because I remember Ole Miss, it was 2012. I'll give Hugh Freeze a lot of credit here. That 2012 season, they lost a heartbreaker to Texas A&M, just an absolute heartbreaker. Johnny Manziel and uh, Mike Evans just beat them at the end. It was a game that, that Ole Miss probably deserved to win but just couldn't finish the deal. And uh, it was, you know, heartbreaking in the locker room and all that stuff. But that coaching staff went to a bunch of those kids that were at that game, uh, Robert Kimdichie and Laquan Treadwell and some of those guys, and said, this is a win if you're here. You make mm-hmm. that play if you're here. Look how close we are. If you come, we get over the top. And for a lot of kids like that, that was that was a, a strong sales point. But you can do that in person. It's harder to do that on television. It's harder to get kids to sit down on a Saturday afternoon and watch a game on television. They're just other stuff's going on. They get they get to do other things. So that's to me, that's now if you're Ole Miss, that's kind of the critical recruiting deal is can you bring kids in in September, October, November? Because I, I think July and August clearly are out. Right. Well, I think you, you can definitely see that they're making headway with a lot of prospects with past things that they've done. Lane Kiffin's name, the, the cachet behind it, you know, everybody knows Lane Kiffin. He's arguably one of the biggest names in college football next to, um, you know, Nick Saban, you name it, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley. I mean, look, he hasn't won at that level, obviously, as a head coach. But Lane, everybody knows Lane Kiffin. But you can see it with certain prospects. I mean, we I did the big board this week for tight ends. And I firmly believe that Hudson Wolf is giving Ole Miss a very, 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 very long look because of Joe John Finley's kind of pedigree and what he's done as a tight ends coach, but also because of what Lane Kiffin did at FAU with Harrison Bryant. That's, that's something that they can point to. Now, it wasn't this season, but it was last season. Like, hey, I did this. Lane Kiffin can also say, hey, you know, when I was at Alabama, O.J. Howard, he plays in the NFL right now. I think that that's helping them with, with somebody like a Hudson Wolf. Um, people keep asking about the quarterback position, and, and Neil broke news with JT Daniels. Look, I, I don't think you have to worry about quarterback with, with Lane Kiffin and with Jeff Levy. Um, I actually, it's not breaking news, but I just saw it on Twitter that UCF football's account tweeted out, um, you know, they, they hung 50 plus on 12 people last season, you know, guess who was in charge of their offense, you know, Jeff Levy. So, well, and and, you know, and, and, and for a kid like Wolf, here's part of their sales pitch, I think. And I I think it's compelling. You tell me whether you, you know, is it going to work with every kid? No, no. If he goes to Ohio state, it's just another dude. Yeah, he goes to Ole Miss. He's walks onto campus as kind of a kind of a high profile name, a star. 
that was that was that was compelling to Laquan Treadwell, mm-hmm. to Laramie Tunsil. Um, that was that was the sales pitch that Tommy West told us that I thought resonated when he said, "If you go there, you'll you'll just be D'Angelo Williams, but if you come here, you'll be D'Angelo because everybody will know your first name." Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, but I, I think the the key thing for them is to be able to get to get guys on campus. But if I'm them at this point. I'm putting together a plan that that calls for me put signing a signing class that I never can bring to campus. It, I've got to have that plan in place. Mm-hmm. I've got to, and and they have. I think they've done a really good job with some of their stuff with because um, they they've showed you some of it on Twitter with the, some of the virtual tours. I'm told that that Ole Miss's virtual tours uh, have been very well done. I'm not surprised. They're they're uh, a lot of their production people the. Uh, uh, I guess social media production people are super talented. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're really, really good. Some of the best in the country. So I'm, I'm told that the stuff that they've done is just outstanding. So if I'm them, I'm having to put that plan in place. I'm having to put a plan in place for kids never never getting to come to campus. Yeah. It, hey, I mean, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. It's that's kind a, of the that's mantra That's a great right now. philosophy. You ever, yeah. you ever tried to get that uh, copyrighted or anything? <laughs> no, but you heard it from somebody. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's yeah. it's what it's what I do. I mean, I literally in every decision I make in life, I look at best case, worst case, and I talk about worst case. I mean, I'm, I'm a pessimist, I think, to some degree. And but by being prepared for worst case, you're prepared. And then if you're surprised with everything works out, well, great. That's that's the whole thing about the virus. I mean, not to be repetitive, but if the virus burns away and goes away in July, like some people say, well, I mean, hell yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, everybody can adjust to that. I mean, life back to normal. Yeah. In, but you know, if, if, uh, if that's not the case and you're not prepared for it, well, that's on you. I mean, if at this, at this stage in time, you're it's, it's the fans get mad about, Hey, why are they even talking about socially distancing stadiums? Because they have to. Because they have to. I mean, you're an idiot right now if you work in athletics and you're not putting a plan together for a 25% socially distant stadium, a 50% being able to adjust to 60%, whatever. If you're not, if you're not talking through those things, you're not doing your job. And I, mean, I can tell you that most of these SEC schools – at least the ones I've talked to, they're all doing that. I mean, Ole Miss is doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and yeah, I mean, are they, do they look at it at twenty five percent and go from a budgetary standpoint? This is an absolute nightmare, of course. But if that's yeah. all, if that's all you can do, then you've got to figure out how to at least, in this case, sort of uh, minimize the hemorrhaging. I mean, you're going to bleed. You're you're, you're going to come close to bleeding to death. But at least if you're prepared for it, maybe you can figure out a way to just to survive. And 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 to live for another day. I mean, if you're not prepared for it, it's a disaster. So, anyway, I mean, so let's let's talk uh, let's talk about quarterbacks real quick. Um, Burkhalter's name came up. I talked to him the other night. Super nice kid uh, from Spanish Fort, Alabama. He's going to go to uh, Worcester Worcester Academy in Boston. Mm-hmm. How do you say Worcestershire? Do you say Worcestershire or Worcestershire? The sauce. Yeah. Uh, Worcestershire, yeah, Worcestershire. Right. But is it isn't this place in Massachusetts? Isn't it just Worcester? It's it's Worcester, but is it pronounced? Okay, it's, it's pronounced Worcester, right? Or oh, it, I, I don't know. I feel like it's it looks like it would be Worcester, but it's just Worcester or something. It's Worcester or 
Worcester. I think it's Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester Academy. Okay. People people are yelling at their phones <laughs> that are from the the Massachusetts yeah. area, right? Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. he's gonna go play there. It's a, a year of post grad. Uh he suffered a, a knee injury, I think midway through his junior year that took him a year to heal, obviously. And so by the time that he got back to where he could throw and, and do things, most schools had already made their quarterback decisions. He had some group of five type offers that he could have done. And then a lot of those just didn't feel right because coaching staffs changed and coaches moved. And so he just decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to reclassify. I'm going to go play a year post-grad at, uh, at Worcester in Massachusetts. And then he can sign in the same class with his brother, who's a, who's a, will be a, a high school senior this coming fall there at Spanish Fort, who has 25 or more power five offers basically his, his brother could pick up the phone and go anywhere and, mm-hmm. and play he's listed as an athlete i think he's a defensive end slash outside linebacker however you want to define that is up to you he's a a real pass rush threat off the edge a uh, very athletic guy who can do a lot of different things defensively probably could play tight end uh, i don't think that's what he's going to do at the college level i think he's going to be a um I think he's going to be a, a defensive player. So anyway, if you want to list him as a linebacker, go for it. If you want to call him a defensive end, that's fine too, whatever you want to do. But they could play together. It's something obviously they would like to do. It's something their parents would like for them to do because they could go see them play at the same time. But it's not a decision that it, – that it's not necessarily one that they're going to make. But, you know, obviously if Ole Miss were to sign uh, the Jackson, they would they would have a, a, a better chance than, than they otherwise would at Christian. And I'm sure that's, that's some of the calculus there. And then – Part of it is he's a big – again, This is and this is why I'm jumping around, Zach. I, I, forgive me. It's why when people talk about the quarterback race at Ole Miss and they talk about Plumlee, I look at the quarterbacks that they're trying to sign and none of them sound and look like Plumlee. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, uh, you know, the Cade Renfro is, is much bigger than Plumlee, but – you you look at you look at Burke Halter, he's he's six five. Um the other one of the other targets on their board, Donovan McCulley, uh he's six three, six four. These these guys are tall. Um I guess you could you could put them in the box of being a pro style quarterback. Donovan McCulley's certainly not, but Burke Halter is a quote unquote pro style, but he's still mobile, he can move, he can throw off platform. Uh, I've watched a little bit of his film. He's got some arm talent. He can certainly spin it. He's, um, I mentioned it in the uh, Chicks the other day when he uh, received the offer. Um, very talented. He put up some really good numbers. Uh, I think he he was close to 1,000 yards, and he had nine touchdowns through six games before the uh, injury happened. Spanish Fort is a uh, very good high school football program. Uh, they win a lot there. Very competitive um, classification in Alabama. So, I think the you, you mentioned the calculus of the offer. Christian Burkhalter, last that I had heard, he was down to Nebraska or Virginia. And Nebraska and Virginia been interested in Jackson, but they haven't pulled the trigger. Ole Miss pulled the trigger, and he has an offer now. Um, now, is Christian going to give Ole Miss another look? Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But I, I certainly think that there's um, – that's part of the reason why they submitted the offer. Now, I don't think that it's a a two-for-one where Kiffin's just like, hey, we'll just take him because we're going to try to get his brother. No, I think they like him as a quarterback prospect. 
Um, he's close to 220 pounds, and uh, he's posted a lot of stuff, obviously, because he can't go anywhere to really work out. He's posted some videos of him throwing at, at different high school fields and whatnot, and he the knee looks to be fine. He moves around well, and um, we'll see how he does it at Worcester Academy this season. But, yeah, I mean, it's – it, it, it's certainly uh, people were kind of like, Oh, this is kind of raising some eyebrows with this offer. Uh, but you know, he was lightly recruited because the injury, obviously it, the, the offer sheet's not going to be that heavy when you only play six games and you tear an ACL. So um, I'll be interested to see what he does up there in Massachusetts. One year prep school, you know, if the offers start to roll in, the more he plays, he's a bright kid. Uh, he's got some, some, Ivy League interest, mutual. He's interested in them. They're interested in him. Um, you know that it'll be easier for them to to see him play this year. Uh, I tell you what, yeah. that's one thing. Assuming high school seasons happen, the scouting of high school players, given the possibility that camps and things don't happen for a while, the, the scouting of high school players now becomes absolutely critical. I just was thinking about that. But but you're right. I, I don't know what he'll do. Look, his brother's going to play probably SEC football somewhere, and and I think deep down that's probably what he wants to do as well. Ole Miss put itself in great position uh, with him, and and you're right. Look, he's got he's got real arm talent, and you know he's gonna he's gonna prove. I would assume that that uh, that his knee is healed and that he has his athleticism back after a a, a pretty severe high school injury, and and uh, you know I mean look. Yeah. Ole Miss had you can't, you can't teach six five. You can't teach six five, and you can't teach arm talent. You either have it or you don't. And uh, you can you can teach a lot of the other stuff. He's a really smart kid. Uh, plays in a played in a, a big high school program there in Spanish Fort. And uh, there's 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 a lot of positives now. The fact that you're his first Power Five offer, it mm-hmm. probably raises some eyebrows with some people a little bit. I get it, and. Uh, I don't know, Zach. It's what I was going to say was, you know, they they went after a bunch of quarterbacks in this class, and at least to this point, it doesn't appear that they're going to land any of them. And a lot of that might be pandemic related and 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 that kind of thing. Maybe this becomes the year that you take a little bit of a chance. It could be. It's. Uh, I mentioned McCauley. He's still out there. Uh, I've talked. I've mentioned it several times on the board. I've um, I've reached out to some national guys. Uh, Josh Helmholt, uh, Rob Casty, you know, a lot of the big time national analysts. And they've all told me that he is just radio silent. He's just kind of gone in his, his own little, you know, proverbial bunker during uh, quarantine. So maybe he's wanting to wait and see if he can take actual in-person visits before he decides he did release the top five. Ole Miss is in there. And I think Ole Miss has got a really good shot. It's not like they're going up against Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and, you know, the the Texases of the world, it's a pretty uh, navigable top five in terms of name cachet. And, you know, like I said, you've got Lane Kiffin as your head coach, and Jeff Levy's a rising star in the offensive coordinator world. So maybe they do get him. But you could certainly take a chance on a guy like Jackson Burkhalter. Uh, he's it's, – it's not somebody that's going to wow you with the offer sheet, like I said, but he's uh, – He's worked with with quarterback countries, so there's some there's there's some familiarity there, 
And, uh, you know, you mentioned he's bright. Uh, his head coach, Jeremy Bandy at Worcester, uh, previously worked at Harvard. So he kind of he's worked in a college football program before. So you have to imagine that he's going to get some, you know, legitimate coaching, some legitimate, you know, preparation. Like, hey, this is how we prepare for a college football game. This is what we would do to prepare week, you know, week in, week out, day by day for, for game week and things like that. So it's it's a little bit, you know, different high school experience that he's going to have. It's going to be more catered towards, you know, it's a prep school. So look, I call it like it is. It's you're going there to better yourself athletically. You're giving yourself one more chance to prove that that you're legitimate. He's going to be, he's going to be going to school, but come on, let's, let's be real here. It's, you know, it's, it's like IMG. It's like Hargrave. It's like uh, fork union, all those prep schools. But um, yeah, it's certainly, you can take a, take a shot. And we talked about Christian, his brother, He's an outstanding prospect, and Ole Miss needs rush defensive ends. They need outside linebackers. They need big athletes who can operate in space. And if, if that's what you get with taking a chance with Jackson Burkhalter, I think that this might be the uh, the time to do it because of this weird pandemic-hampered recruiting season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, and if now we'll say this. If you're going to get him, I, I do think – You've got to pull the trigger on that fairly quickly. He wants to take some visits and that kind of thing, and so it might not be possible. But you know, I'm, I'm if I'm taking him, I'm taking him with at the thought of I'm going to get his brother. I'm going to be able to start building even more momentum in my recruiting class. I'm going to be able to, uh, you know, start. That's kind of the thing I think is you'd love if if you're Ole Miss, you'd love to see them be able to you know, close on, on a handful of high profile guys here in the next 60 days or so, just to create some momentum going into the season from a recruiting standpoint. I don't really know what that does. It, it It's helped Tennessee. It, it's helped, uh, it's helped some other programs, but at the end of the day, it just has to be a good class. That's bottom line. It just has to be a good class. You, right. It's, it doesn't, but I went into this, this year saying it needs to be a top 10 class. I won't say that now. I, I, that's not fair. That would be that would be absurd for me to to put that kind of pressure on a, on a staff. That if you had told me before the recruiting season, hey, but now here's the catch: they won't be able to bring anybody to campus until November. I would have said, well, <laughs> well, hold up. Now yeah. I, I won't put that pressure on them. So uh, I tell you who uh, who won't put pressure on you, but you'll want to get his stuff, and that is Greg Jones and LB's Meat Market. Uh, phenomenal place when you come to oxford if you live in oxford if you live around oxford lb's should be a uh, staple of your shopping if you come to oxford for uh, football games or whatever the case may be you need to make lb's a stop that you make it's right across from kroger 2008 university avenue in oxford you can call 662-259-2999 and uh, tell greg what you want he'll get it all packaged up for you nice and neat you can pay over the phone, all that stuff. If you're worried about contact and all of that stuff, that's that's cool. You can do that, or you can go in and you can browse and you can talk to Greg about all the things that they have there. Whether it is uh, beef, whether it's fillets, bone-in ribeyes, the the tomahawk ribeyes, whether it is uh, pork, uh, some of my favorite my favorite place to get pork. The the big two-bone pork chops are incredible. Uh, great sausages, chicken. Um, Fish uh, is fresh fish Thursdays, 
uh, redfish, tuna, amberjack, all of that there at LB's. And their sausage collection is absolutely amazing. You should try an assortment, see which one or two or three you like the most for your next trip into LB's. And when you stop at LB's, tell Greg that you heard about LB's here on uh, the Soft Verbal or on any of uh, the Beer Garden or on any of our MPW Digital uh, Network podcast, and he'll throw a little something special on the sack for you that I promise you you will like. Again, it's LB's Meat Market, 662-259-2999. It's in the shopping center directly across from Kroger in Oxford. All right, so we're going to uh, we're gonna talk some – all right, real quick, last thing, and then we're going to talk some uniforms. Okay. Uh, I think you and I both thought earlier in the week that by now uh, there'd be a little more transfer news from Startville to uh, to Oxford. It hasn't happened yet. Is there any any is it any any red flags with you, or is it just a matter of time? I don't think so. I think it's mostly just kind of Ole Miss getting everything cleared, getting all the transfer, you know, paperwork that's all done behind closed doors and. You know, all the, the the dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's, I think they're just getting all that put together. I I don't think there's anything to worry about. I, I'm fairly certain. I'm very well sourced on this, and I would say close to 100% sure that Mississippi State has just completely moved on, and they're not even trying to get Fabian Lovett back. I don't think that that's even a, a question. And the last time I talked to some folks around the Florida State program, they had essentially conceded that he was going to go to Ole Miss. So I don't think it's any concern. I think it's just a matter of getting all of his paperwork, all of his transcripts and whatnot, just moved over from Starkville to Oxford. I think I, you would agree with me. I, I agree completely. I think I think okay. it's making sure that everything is uh, done in a way that could not be questioned. Yeah. And and who knows? I mean, you know, with with recruits, even though it's a transfer portal, it's not a technical high school. Technically, a high school recruit could be could be wanting to do some <clears throat> some kind of video, some kind of edit that he's waiting on. Who knows? We I haven't talked to Fabian. I, I don't think you have either. So there's no telling. I mean, I, we he and I have kept in contact over the last couple of years. Uh, we've we talk on <laughs> most most major holidays uh, every other Saturday. Um, and we hang a lot, but you know, yeah. we got over some of the things that happened. I tried to get him to go to ULM, did some things and it didn't quite work out. And, well, you know, Neil, after I got burned by Romello and I told him not to do it when I was running and he did, I yeah. just decided I wasn't going to let it happen again. I, I understand. I, you talk to these people and you tell them, Hey, look, this is the deal. Don't do this on a holiday. And, and then they do it on a holiday. And so uh, I can tell you there's a week in July that I'm going to be off, and I expect all hell to break loose in that week. I, they're, they're, that's why I won't even say it out loud when it's going to be, because otherwise people will start planning to do it then. But um, Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I imagine a flurry of commits and transfer news to happen when I'm at the beach. <laughs> It will absolutely happen. Well, I want you to know that if that happens, I want you to abandon your family and get up to the condo and start working. I mean, just just tell your wife, say, Anna, honey, recruiting calls. Look, I'm, I'll I, just, I'm not going to be able to stay down here on the beach and, and drink beer with you right now. And, and, I'll just and she'll understand. I'll just get a I'll just get a you know a, I'll just get a gallon Ziploc bag. I'll put my laptop in it. 
and I'll just it will just be we'll, start, we'll make it work. Start punching keys. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, and tell yep. Anna say look priorities. But yeah, I all jokes aside, it's I don't think there's any any concern. No, Who I knows? Either. I don't either. He might right. just he might just want to do it on Friday. He could. He might just be waiting for your beach trip. Yeah. Uh, but you've got him tricked because the story's an admin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't know that. Uh, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk uniforms. The uh, rivals.com came out with a ranking of uniforms. Whoo! I could not have disagreed more with a lot of their assessment. Um, mm-hmm. It it was one of those things that was designed to create discussion and clicks, and it did. I'll give them credit. It it achieved the goal. It um, I had no. I don't. I don't have it in front of me. I guess I could find it. Um, I'm gonna try to pull it up here. I know they had LSU one and Georgia two, and while you can argue with those, you also cannot. You cannot say with any degree of, in my opinion, with any degree of of truthfulness, you cannot say that that they're quote wrong there. LSU has a great uniform. Georgia has a great uniform, and so. If you want to argue that there's one, they are one and two. You would you would have to at least admit that they're in the conversation for the top. Yeah i I don't hate that. It's just I don't know. I'm I'm a weird mix, Neil. I'm I'm like a weird hybrid of a. I have some get off my lawn in me, but then I also have, you know. I think that Oregon's 94 throwbacks might be the best uniform in sports. Um, I don't know. It's just, just a lot of, a lot of weird, like Florida being four. Now I do think Florida's all white is a great look. It is. But I mean, I think if you have to see to me, to do this objectively, you've got to take each school and take one uniform. Like pick yeah. your fa- pick pick your favorite recipe, if you will, and put it in the competition. Pick your favorite How? uniform and put it in the competition. The whole okay, are we doing the whole plethora of uniforms? Because if we're going to do that, I can start picking apart some things. Like LSU, for example, their purple jersey is not a good look. You don't like it? I, I really don't. It's too busy. I- and you know what's funny is maybe my favorite NFL uniform is the Minnesota Vikings. See, I hate the whole like. Well, we wear white jerseys at home. I just feel like that's stupid. <laughs> like, why? Why do you? Why do you do that? But see, here's what I don't get. And look, I'm not picking on Mike Farrell, but they have Ole Miss at eight. But then he says the powder blue helmets are arguably the best in football. So how do they? How do they go eighth? Yeah, but then also, and that's kind of my point. Like when Ole Miss wears the powder blue helmet and the navy top and the and the gray pant i don't like it I, I don't give it a great grade i mean i really don't um i, I know that's sacrilegious because but when they when they, th- when they wear the red top and the gray pant with the powder blue i think it looks really good and quite frankly i like a lot of old Miss's stuff with the white pant yeah so i'm a big helmet match pant guy i'm and look they're probably maybe people get mad but guess what your words don't hurt me on the message board. I think the gray pants are terrible. I think they need to get rid of them. I don't like it. It just doesn't look good. I feel like Ohio State's 
the scarlet and gray works so well for them because they have gray helmets and they have gray pants. Yeah. It just matches. They like, they, South, they like, embrace the gray throughout yeah. the uniform. Like here, they've got South Carolina at 12, and they have one of Carolina's throwbacks, but the helmet is white and the pants are white, and the stripes are identical, and it looks super sharp. But then, like, I don't know how Auburn is so low. Yeah, Auburn has great uniforms. They do. Auburn is a really, really good look. It's timeless, and it, yep. it, it, it never changes, but it's just sharp. The blue and orange work somehow. How in the hell, Neil, is Vanderbilt at seven? I don't know. I've never, I've never once looked at Vanderbilt's uniforms and thought that's awesome. And and listen, <laughs> before anybody, and, and like one of my favorite uniforms in all of college football, as has been well documented, is Iowa. If you take yeah. black and gold, then take black and gold. But do it right. Black and gold is meant to be clean. Yeah. It's meant to be clean. It's not meant to be super busy and throwing extra stuff in. It's my problem with Kentucky where he goes, you know, Kentucky, man, these these pewter uniforms. Like, no, 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 no. That's awful. If you're given the gift of royal blue and white. Yeah, don't put checkerboard on the shoulder. No, you've been given a gift. Embrace the gift. Go clean. And don't, and like, I hate that they put Kentucky on the chest. That looks so middle schoolish. You don't need just it. Don't, yeah, you, just, you don't you need it. You have UK on the helmet. You have UK on the helmet. And you have, you have, uh, just you. You can put the little round thing at the like the NFL crest where the NFL crest is. You could right. you could put a, a UK right there. You don't yeah. need Kentucky all over the front. It's it'd be like Ole Miss putting Ole Miss across the front of its jersey. You already have Ole Miss on the helmet. You don't need Ole Miss yeah. again. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the script M comes in. I think that's a nice accent. And that's the, I really I really do. That needs to be the accent that they put on the crest place. On the collar, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um Mississippi State is really low here. Now look, I've been adamant that Adidas is absolute trash in yes. everything they do. I will say state is held hostage here uniform wise because they cannot use the old MSU, the interlocking MSU because that's Nike. And I those old helmets look State that the maroon is a terrible look, but that old MSU that's interlocking those old helmets were were they look good. See, I punish State for trying too hard. Well, that's that's true. They, Adidas gives them basically free reign on anything they want to do, and so they just put gold on everything, and then it just doesn't look good. Now, the one of the alternates that I thought worked was when they did the uh, when they played at UMass and they did the Patriot alternate. That was cool. Yeah, I, I like that idea. Yeah, a one time you're playing up there, whatever. Like it worked. Maybe a snow. Every time they play A and M, maybe embrace snow some more. I, I, yeah, A and M's jerseys are bad. Isn't that funny? You would think Texas A and M, which kind of has an iconic helmet, if you will, you would think that yeah. they would go cleaner than they do. And they it's just it's, they it's trash their uniform. And they're in the same state with like Texas. See, Texas get Texas can put Texas across the front of their jersey because the helmet is the iconic Longhorn. Yeah, that's that's pretty timeless. It's one of the best looks. And Texas I hate has Texas. I hate Texas too, but I'll give them credit. Their uniform is superb. Missouri is really high here. I don't get. I it. will. I, I yeah. I don't either. But I do really like a lot of their alternate helmets. They do. They do a lot of cool stuff with Truman. They do the. 
you know, back in, I guess, the 80s or whatever, the 90s, whenever it was, when everybody thought, you know, oh, here's a cool alternate. We'll take a cartoon image of our mascot and put a little cap on him. Um, that was like a thing, but I thought they did a couple alternates with Truman with a little hat. Um, they do a lot of really nice nods to the university with the helmet. Everything else is kind of busy with, they do a lot of the, the, the shapes on the pants, but they're too high. Yeah. Way, way too high. They, they belong in the double digit numbers. And and, and I like, I like Missouri and, and, uh, yeah, they they try way too hard, way too many variations. Not everybody can be Oregon. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Talking uniforms, we were talking about this last night on our our live stream. We we did uh, the 2003 Ole Miss Auburn game, and we got on the discussion of uniforms. And I was talking. Do you remember back in the 90s when Tennessee had the black uh, outline on the names and the numbers? Do you remember how certain players? For Tennessee, their names, like the font, was humongous on the back, and then some were really small. Like I'm trying to find a picture that I can send you. The one that always comes to mind for me was Al Wilson, and how his last name was just humongous on the back of his jersey, and I don't know why. I, it was a weird Tennessee thing. I don't like. Their, you know, I don't like their uniforms. Well, you know what it you know what it is, Neil. Now that I'm looking at the pictures, guess who's guess who made their uniforms back then? Uh, Adidas. It was Adidas, but yeah, it was just weird. Like the numbers were humongous. The numbers were humongous on the shoulders, but then it was just like it, it was almost like if you had if you had less letters in your last name, the bigger your name was on your jersey. It was odd. Okay, so. Farrell, I don't have it in front of me, but Farrell likes that smoky gray. Do you? I I didn't like the all gray that they did. Uh-uh. Now, they finally wised up and they switched to Nike. And I do think Nike's cuts look way better for them than Adidas did. Because Adidas is just terrible. Like They don't do anything well. I honestly can't think of anything, any uniform that they do well. They even screwed up UCLA's jerseys. Like, how how do you do that? Yeah, a classic timeless look, and you play with it. Don't. It's the one thing I I do agree with Farrell about, like Alabama. If you're Alabama, and everyone recognizes you when you come out on the field, you don't mess with it. Yeah. My even, favorite thing, even though it's a little boring. That, right. Well, remember when they put houndstooth on the collar, just the collar, like you yeah. couldn't even see it, and people lost their mind. Yeah, that was funny. They did it for one game. Did it yeah. for an old Miss game, actually. Now, I will say, I found some old pictures of when Alabama, when Bear Bryant was coached, they had white helmets when they played road games. Oh, boy. That will move the needle. Really? I just, I have friends that say that it's stupid that I like it because everybody does it, so it's not unique. I, the stormtrooper look. If you go all white, I, I love it. I do like too. When, L, when LSU did that in 2015, my God, I know. It was, I, I mean, know you love it. it well, was Ole awesome. Miss, Ole Miss won that game, and how I'll never know. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, LSU got off the bus, if you will, in those white uniforms, and stuff it, moved, man. I mean, it looked it looked good because I, oh. I thought the 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 use of purple it was more more purple than. 
than yellow or gold or whatever you want to call it over there. It looked sharp. And, you know, you said you didn't like the purple uniform. I like when they wear the purple sometimes at home against, you know, like McNeese State or But I don't like it with the yellow pants. I like it with white pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do yellow. That's that's their problem. They do they do yellow. See, I they did that throwback with the gold helmet and the purple unit and the purple jersey with the white pant, and I didn't hate it. Now I know the gold is a little try hard, but I I liked. White pants just look so crisp. I thought Ole Miss's best uniform last year definitely was the game at Missouri, where they went powder white white. I just thought it looked. Super clean. The one thing I wish Ole Miss would do with the powder, with the white top and the white pant, is to add some powder either to the top and or the pant. Like an accent to like the pant stripe or something? Yeah, just like go find the old Houston Oilers uniforms Yeah, and steal them. Yeah, those, those baby blues were so nice. But like I'm even I'm gonna pull them up now. And by the way, I just pulled up the LSU all white 2015 uniform, and it's a picture of them in pregame before Ole Miss just beat the hell out of them. Careful, careful. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give LSU. I mean, Ole Miss won that game and dominated it. LSU won that pregame eight gazillion to nothing. You, you'll <laughs> never find that in the record books. But my God, LSU won the pregame. I'll tell you a story. It doesn't have anything to do with uniforms, but you want to talk about winning a pregame. When I was a senior in high school, we played South Panola, and they won the pregame, and I'll tell you how they won the pregame. While we're stretching, and all the coaches are at the 50, and they're kind of chatting, whatever, and then you know we're on one side of the 50, they're on the other. South Panola, I think the only people that stretched were the specialists. South Panola didn't even stretch. All they did was just jump around and just chant and just like shit talk us the whole time. Not like like Tig Barksdale, Leroy Diggs, Quinn Griffin, Jamar, uh, not Jamar Sanford, um, Quinn Sanford, and uh, Jeremy Griffin. They were all just jumping around, just just talking shit. And I was like, "Well, we we have no shot," because I've never seen a team do that, and it was awesome. It was kind of like in Friday Night Lights when Dallas Carter like ripped the sign down and just walked on the field in that state championship game. Where you were like, okay, yeah, this is about to get bad. Um, so I've, now they did. Did you see they ranked to the Big Ten? No, I didn't. So they're doing real quick. While I have this up, because I'll, okay. I'll forget otherwise. So I pulled up Houston Oilers uniforms, and I, I'd love to see what would happen because Ole Miss, to its credit, has really embraced the powder blue thing, and the fans have too. Mm-hmm. The fans love it especially younger fans. They yeah. love it. I would love to see what would happen if Ole Miss bu- busted out a powder blue jersey. I would love to see what would happen if they busted out a white helmet with the powder blue script Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But if they did that, the powder blue jersey with red and, and, uh, and, and white accents and then a uh, white pant, similar to what the Oilers had back in the day, which was a white pant with down the side a red stripe, a little bit bigger blue stripe, and then another red stripe. It's a very clean look. And they had the socks with the uh, – one of the things the NFL does so well is the socks. 
The sock had a lot of powder blue to it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a picture here because the baby blues <laughs> back when when Earl Campbell was there, and I mean they, those are so sharp. I mean, just think of yeah, I want one bad. I mean, I, just I think of that look, but instead of the instead of the old uh, rig, you just have the the script M on it. I'd I'd be for it, and you. You're going to upset a lot of people right now. Yeah, and I promise I'm not trolling by doing that. I think just a just sh- a sharp, crisp script M on there in in powder blue, outlined in red, just like the Oilers logo, would look really really good. I want one of these Dan Pastorini jerseys, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's we got a, a, we, a kid. He was like one of my very favorite players. I love yeah, I, I loved the Oilers when I was a kid. I thought they were going to bust out. They've got so a wait, so they've got a Dan Pastorini jersey for thirty one ninety nine. You know it's a complete disaster. Where is it? What site are you looking at? Like uh, on your official site? No, it's bonanza.com. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> on eBay they've got a a a, a Pastorini white jersey for thirty eight ninety nine. Ooh, all right. So what? So real quick before we we close, I imagine we're getting close to to shutting things down here. But give me like what like what when you think of like best uniforms across all sports, like what are the you know three or four that come to mind? Um, I'm kind of a classic guy. I love the Yankees home uniform. Um, uh, I like the Yankees road uniform. Actually, I'm a big Yankees uniform fan for someone who doesn't cheer for the Yankees. A lot of people say that the Yankees road is the best in sports. I think it's way up there. I, I mean, so my my grandfather who died when I was three, I think was a big Yankees fan. And so the Yankees have always kind of had this little soft spot with me. And I can remember the first time I saw the Yankees play, it was in Arlington at the old Arlington ballpark. I grew up in North Louisiana and that was the closest ballpark to us. And I can remember seeing the Yankees on the field as a little kid and seeing that uniform and and getting like a feeling of awe that came over me. And you can only get that as a child. Mm-hmm. You know, I get that. But it was cool. I can remember that. Um, as a kid, I loved the Royals baby blue road uniform. Those are good. Still still one of the best with the with the Navy Royals hat. Or I guess it's the the dark royal blue hat. Um, I like. Uh, oh boy, I'm trying to think basketball uniforms that do something for me. Isn't that fun? I like the Celtics. Uh, Celtics green. Yeah. The Celtics white Those home uniforms. Classic. A terrific uniform. Um, yeah. I like the Minnesota Vikings uniforms, especially the home purple purple helmet, purple top, white pant. Mm-hmm. I think it's a classic. When they switched to the matte purple helmet, I think that even made it made it better. Oh, you liked it better? Yeah, I like. Yeah, the, I like. I like the matte. Yeah, I did too. Um, why the Rams changed their uniforms is will will go down as a, as one of life's great mysteries. If you're given uh, if you're given uh, yellow and and royal blue, you've been given a gift. Don't mess with it. I love the Colts all white. White helmet, white top, uh, white pant with the blue t- blue piping. Great look, great look. I mean, a phenomenal, 
phenomenal look. You can't screw that up. The Colts, when the Colts take the field on the road, they they take a lead. Uh, mm-hmm. Every how they haven't won more Super Bowls is beyond me. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. At the college level, I mean, I, I, I joke about Iowa, but the truth is, I started cheering for Iowa because I love their uniform. Um, I, we talked about LSU, and I'm a, I'm a Louisiana kid, so even though I grew up kind of cheering against LSU, there is still something uh, with me that when I see LSU take the field, there's something about that uniform that brings, that makes me feel something. I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. I'm not an LSU fan. I have no ties to LSU, but. I grew up in the state and I followed them and all that and I, I do love their uniform. Um, oh boy, I, I, we talked about Auburn. I like Auburn's all white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love UCLA's traditional uniform. I love USC's traditional uniform. the The white top on the on the yellow pant with that helmet is terrific. I think. Um, who am I? And I, I, I mentioned Texas. Oh, I'll tell you another one that I really like, Zach. Uh, I really love the Kansas City Chiefs uniforms. Yeah, those are good. So so I cl- do so clean. If we're okay, so for me, I did mention. I'm going to send it to you so you have a visual. The '94 throwback that Oregon did at, with all the uniforms, the 800, 900, thousands of uniforms that combinations they've done. I think that's their best look. Um, the 94 throwback with the UO on the helmet, the apple green with the yellow, just again, Neil helmet matches pants looks phenomenal. Um, a lot of people say the red, the home, uh, the, the home red. I think the Blackhawks white uniforms are superb. The white with the black pant just really pops. Yeah, um, I, I like the Blackhawks. I even like their red jersey. It's it's yeah, the red is the red strong. Is strong, yeah. Um, oh, I look, just got your text. Let's see. Oh, that is really good. Yeah, those those are probably one of my favorites. Um, I'll tell you another one that I like. Now that I think about it, I love the uh, the Orioles uniform when they wear the cartoon bird. On yeah, the, on the, I love swinging I, bat. I, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. Which is another one I love the Padres throwback with the swinging Padre. Oh, that the Friar, good. yeah, 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 the Friar, yeah. Um, this is an Ole Miss uh, centric podcast. We would be remiss if we didn't uh, mention Ole Miss baseball's powder blues. I do think those are some of the best uniforms in sports. I agree. It, it, um, I'm a big powder blue baseball fan. I like the the Cubs have a. Back when I was a kid, they wore a powder blue with navy pinstripe road uni and if i were running the cubs that is what we would wear on the road yeah uh i think it really took off when Ole Miss went um red cleats as well it just matches everything um i like a uh, couple throwback baseball uniforms i like the braves throwbacks um the white with the blue sleeves with the feather on the sleeve and then i like the oakland a's throwbacks with the stirrups uh, the green is is clean. Uh, you talked NBA. I'll give you some wild cards here that I really like. The Suns uniforms when Charles Barkley was there. Yeah, they were okay. I always thought they were a little busy. Yeah, I, I just felt like it worked. I liked the simple Suns with the basketball 
coming across. And then maybe it's little recency bias with the last dance. I like the jazz logo with the mountain. I didn't hate it. It looks a little busy. It looks kind of quirky, but for some reason it worked for me with the mountain on the Jersey and the mountain on the side of the shorts. Um, now the old Vancouver Grizzlies jerseys were outstanding and (laughs) I loved those. Um, and here's, here's one in college football. And now I, I despise them and think that their coach is an absolute joke. But when Michigan redid their road uniforms, their road whites, it looks so much better with the stripes going horizontal on the sleeve and the white on white. I'll send you a picture of that if you're not looking it up. Those are really clean, in my opinion. Um, you absolutely can't go wrong with the Yankees. The pinstripes is the just uh, jersey embodiment of all business and... It's just kind of it's very New York that the logo was the the NY was kind of derived from a Tiffany and Company logo. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's hard to argue. I'm not a Yankees fan, but the pinstripes. I almost want to say that nobody should wear pinstripes but the Yankees. Um, I, I don't agree with that. I, I I think I think I love pinstripes in baseball, and there are some really great ones. The Phillies pinstripe I think is terrific. The Phillies are another team that on the road should go back to their uh, their powder blue road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are strong. The old Montreal Expos uniforms were terrific. In fact, uh-huh. it, it's a reason to bring baseball back to Montreal. It's just for the uniforms alone. Don't. Those were I loved those. All right, I'm with you on the Michigan Whites. Those are those are good. That's uh, really good. Yeah, that's that's really good. And it just it, the whole ensemble because they everybody wears black cleats, they wear black socks. It's just it looks it looks sharp. I'll give you another one that I really like. It's underrated in the NFL is because the team has sucked for so long. But I, I love the Raiders. Their their, their uniform concept is just yeah. fantastic. Absolutely, it is just that's, it is just fantastic. They, they they should be yeah. I mean just the white whether it's the black top or the white top with the their use of the silver pant to match the helmet mm-hmm. is. But it matches the helmet, and that's the part that that uh, I'm with you. The more that I think about it, I'm, I'm I'm with you on the helmet has to. If you're going to go with gray or silver, you've got to put it in the helmet too. Yeah, I think the NHL as a league has some of the best uniforms. Uh, you could go timeless. I already mentioned Blackhawks, Bruins. Uh, Bruins are good. I think the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs might have two of the best uniforms in sports. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. The maple, a lot of the, the maple leaf is a classic, timeless, clean. Yeah. I mean, we've we've talked almost ten minutes, over ten minutes, and we haven't mentioned Notre Dame. You can you can hate which, the movie which Rudy one all do you, you want. Which one? Which Notre Dame uniform do you like though? Because sometimes I think they try to do too much. Hey, just the classic home, the gold gold helmet, gold pant. They they keep it simple at home. Do you like blue the, jersey? Do you like the, the green? on the. I do if they keep it to where it's just what it's like the you know the powder blue was for Ole Miss at one point where it's like just one game a year like if they if they wear it for the for the Jewel Shillelagh against uh, against Southern Cal like that's fine that's like your one game that you do it um, now my God when they did the the pinstripe jerseys for oh man that was so bad 
for their Shamrock series when they played up in New York. It was oh, yeah, awful. Yeah. Um, I did not yeah, realize un- that they were Under Armour. Yeah, they're yeah they're Under Armour. Under Armour's done a nice job with the alternates. They haven't done anything too too wild, and they've kept the classic classic. Um, one that we haven't mentioned in the NBA, the early Jordan era Chicago Bulls uniform, the script Chicago was really good. Yeah, and and because of Jordan, the Bulls uniform, just the white on white, uh, they just the simple Bulls across the front has a, and you know that the, the the bull itself is pretty cool, and so, but Jordan made that uniform cool. Jordan made everything about the Bulls cool for the longest period of time, and and since then they've. I don't know what they've done. They, they just haven't done anything. Yeah, I like some of the Grizzlies uniforms. Like, yeah, I I'm, like the different blues. I do. Like, I, I know that yeah. a lot of people uh, rip the Thunder uniform, for example, and I don't like the the light blue one. I I kind of like their the old classic white and their uh, their their uh, city version. That's a, a tribute to the bombing victims. Is really good it's, yeah, that's it's, a good, it's the that's black a good one it's a very good uniform um now i don't know if you'll count this but i'll count it i think tiger woods sunday red is a good uniform quote yeah unquote. yeah because it's it's uh it's it's t- you know exactly what it means when he yep. walks out on a sunday wearing that uniform there's something to just stuff like that yeah i mean the teams that screw it up, like Hope Campbell's, the people that are reviewing her scholarship uh, application don't hear this. <laughs> but like Arkansas has the ability to have a really good-looking football uniform. Like their helmet is a good look. The Just their yeah. traditional helmet. Good look. You When you see the hog, you know exactly who it is. It's Arkansas. But why they take their football jersey and put stuff all over it and stripes in random places and stuff, and then their pant instead of you, you have white and red. You have white mm-hmm. and red. So wear a white pant with red stripes, like two red stripes down the side, not one giant red stripe. Just two. You know what I'm talking about? Two red stripes down the side. You 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 you're and and wear a red belt and you got your red helmet with your uh, with the white. Razorback on it that no matter whether you love Arkansas or hate Arkansas, you know that helmet. You know what it means. It means here's Arkansas. Why you? Why do you screw with that? Go with the clean jersey. You don't even have to put Arkansas across it, or God forbid, Razorbacks across it. You can go with the clean jersey. Everybody knows who you are because you have one of the more notable noticeable helmets. It's not like you're Maryland where you come out and there's a white. I mean, there's a there's an M on there, and you're like, oh, is that Massachusetts or Maryland or Mississippi or Minnesota? I mean, who is it? With Arkansas, when they bust the helmet out, you know exactly who it is. So the rest of your uniform, therefore, can be clean. Yeah, I actually liked when they went they reverted back to the nut era with the Razorbacks across the front. I kind of like that look for them. I so didn't hate it. They had the Darren McFadden sort of throwback, and I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it, I like that. It is a, uh, it, it's the red helmet with the hog. It's the, uh, the jersey that just says Arkansas across the front, and it has in his case the number five, and and in the white pant with the aforementioned two red stripes, 
and on the hip, the the hog again. That's a nice, clean look. If you're Arkansas, why do you why do you deviate from that? And on the road, where wear a white jersey that says I think mm-hmm. I'm looking for their white jersey. It also says Arkansas on it. I, it it it's it's fine. Why why do you get away from that? I don't I don't get it. But they are the most. They're more apt to just put random stripes places than any any team in the SEC. Yeah. Like they have like I'm looking at like ten different uniforms that they have and it's just it's it's ridiculous. All the stripes and stuff and the shoulder stripes and then the arm stripes that make no sense and the big swishes of there's like a, a white pant with this big red swoosh on it that is Yeah, it's just it's dumb. Like, it's, it's, I guess it's supposed to be like a tusk look. Is it's that what that too, is? Well it doesn't look like I it, think that's what it well, is. Well it doesn't look <laughs> yeah. like a tusk. It's too much. It doesn't. And then when they bust out the grays and silvers and stuff, it's like, what are you doing? I mean, you've got red and white. It's you've got clean. You got clean ability here. They did that Cowboys look for Jerry. Well, that and that's fine. Saying. I mean, look. I mean, he gives him a ton of money. You got to kiss. His, you got <laughs> yeah. You got to kiss his ass every so often. I get that. But like, I'm looking at one now. The red on red. No. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And it's got the little tusk thing. And now that I look at it, if that's supposed to be a tusk, it's disgraceful because that looks nothing like a tusk. <laughs> I will say the um, I'm I was trying to come up with uh, my favorite color rush in the in the NFL, and um, Chase would appreciate this. I do think the Saints might have the best color rush. Is that the all white? The all white with the gold helmet, it fantastic. Just looks, just looks awesome. Fantastic! Um, it's one of the best uniforms in all the sports. I'm, I'm embarrassed that it took us this long to remember it. It, it, it yeah. is a, uh, it is an absolutely perfect uniform. The only one that even comes close to it right now is the Chargers' new. Yeah, I, I give them nice. credit now. Their new uniforms are going to be just, just pure sexy. Yeah, I do like the Giants' color rush, the all white when they do the old. Giants yeah. across the helmet. Yeah, I think good. that looks good. good. I do, th- and I do like all whites. I've been very clear about that. The 49ers throwbacks, the color rush throwback that they do is really, really clean with the uh, kind of the the 3D kind of co- the the look on the on the numbers. Kind of back to when Jerry Rice was there. I like that a lot. Um, I like everything the Seahawks do. I know some people it's not for them because of the highlighter, but I like the Seahawks look. Yeah, I, I like the Seahawks look too. I pulled the Vikings back up. I'd I, I love a Vikings helmet. I'd put that on, put that in some prominent place. It is such a good look. Like again, when they bust out that helmet, you know exactly who it is. Yeah, here come the Vikings. The Saints, the Saints helmet is fantastic. So I'll I'll leave you with this before we close. Uh, Uni watch. Uh, so. Um, Paul Lucas, who's the UniWatch blog guy that works for ESPN now, he did a uh, Best Dressed Cities, and this was back in 2015. Um, but the Best uh, Dressed Cities, the top five, number one, and this is across all sports, number one was Boston, number two was Pittsburgh. Oh, we didn't the, mention, the, the, the Pirates have great uniforms. Yeah, Pirates are re- I love when they do the throwback Willie Stargell uniforms. Um, Chicago's three, Philly was four, and the San Francisco Bay Area was five. With Golden State Warriors, 
Giants, Giants, Giants have great uniforms, yeah. Raiders, yeah. which I guess they can't claim the Raiders anymore because no, they're, they're going to Vegas. They're gone. But, um, yeah, that's a pretty strong top five. Yeah. No no Chicago. No, they were in there. Oh, okay. I, I, miss, I, I, was, I was devastated by a piece of news that just came across my Twitter machine. Oh, what happened? We'll leave here. It's bad. Uh, the Bad Boy Mowers, is uh, they're no longer the title sponsor of the Gasparilla Bowl. Are they good? I saw yesterday. I can't. I, I apologies in advance to whoever tweeted it because I don't remember. They they said, "Oh, I know." It's Bunky. Bunky said he thinks that every bowl should just be the cheese bowl. That's fair. Not not a terrible idea. I mean, this year there's going to be so many sponsors that pull out of bowls because they don't have the money. That's true. Yeah. That bowl. So. That bowl game has once was once first known as the Magic Jack Bowl, which I like. Uh, who could forget uh, the St. Petersburg Bowl presented by Beef O'Brady's? Then it was the Beef O'Brady's Bowl. Then it was the <laughs> Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl. Then it was yes. just the St. Petersburg Bowl, and then it was the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. And now that classic wow. uh, is is up for grabs. There's just <laughs> I wonder which I wonder which penny stock is going to sponsor a bowl this year. <laughs> Someone said 2020 is just a nightmare. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Well. What a way to end it. Yeah, that is. It's a a, a sad ending <laughs> to an otherwise uh, complete waste of your hour and 30 minutes of your day. But we did talk some recruiting at the beginning. So damn it, don't save your emails for some time else. Uh, just send them. Send those emails to chase.parum at gmail dot com. Um. Anything else, Zach, or do you think that's plenty? Uh, Neil, I will say before <laughs> before this weekend, um, look keep your he- keep your head down. Uh, I think Chase will tell you where the ball goes, and uh, that's good because I don't know where it's going. You know, keep that keep that wrist firm on the uh, on the on the left side because you you swing right handed. I imagine, yeah, so right? it's the left wrist I want to keep locked, right? Yes, that is correct. Yes, yeah. The, I guess as my friends tell me the. That's where that's where your your power that's where that that stabilization comes. The right arm is just along for the ride, as they say. So okay, um, kind of like a baseball yeah. swing. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Um, yeah. Now I'm not the one to be giving out golf advice, but I will say head down is probably the one thing I would tell you. And, yeah, uh, and just, I, I, I just saw drink that. a lot. Yeah, yeah, and just just drink beer. I, I asked the question, "Will there be beer?" And no one has answered it yet. They're like, "Ah, Neil's being funny." No, I'm being serious. Is there going to be beer or not? I'd like to know. I mean. Because if there's not going to be beer, this is going to be miserable. If there is going to be beer, six, seven holes into this, I'm just going to be laughing. I don't care. Whatever. Seems like a great opportunity for Budweiser or somebody to get involved here. I agree. I agree. Completely. There you go. But good luck. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, All right. Don't forget deadsoxy.com. They're the ones that made this this Pulitzer-winning podcast possible. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. They've been great to us over the years. Their product is just fantastic. You'll love it. And um, we appreciate you supporting them. For Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. Until next time, take care.